Welcome to the Starting Over Stronger Show, where you'll find help and hope for your divorce survival and recovery. Divorce well, live well. The more that you realize that you are capable and you are able to take care of yourself, and whether that's emotionally or fiscally or whatever, when you realize this and you start making those steps towards it, your confidence is going to grow. Hello, and welcome back to Starting Over Stronger. Today, we are talking about confidence with confidence coach, author, speaker, and all-around fun gal, Dr. Susan Harrison. And before I bring her on, I want to start by sharing a Theodore Roosevelt quote that was brought to my attention several years ago in the Brene Brown book, Daring Greatly, which, by the way, is a must read for anyone struggling with confidence or just wanting more out of life. I have many times read this quote and even posted it in my home just as an inspiration of exactly what we're going to talk about today. Confidence. Let's see what you think. It is not the critic who counts not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. What do you think of that quote? Well, I love it. And it makes me think about one time whenever I saw her speak, not in person, but on YouTube, <laughs> where I saw her speak and she was talking about somebody who was, who was just putting her down because of how she was doing her presentation. And she's like, listen, you're not up here. Yeah. So I, I, do, I love that because it's not just about obviously presentations. It's about whatever we're doing. And we often have a lot of critics out there, things that we want to try, things that we want to do, things that we think that we can do. Um, I know that for myself recently, I talked about some things that I was going to accomplish in the last couple of months while I've been on lockdown. And a friend of mine said, really, you really think you can do that during lockdown? And it's just like... Why, why do you have to have to go there? But it's, it's human nature. People are going to do that. People are going to not believe in you. People are going to say you can't do certain things. And a lot of times it's because it's not something that they're currently in or doing. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, you've got to listen to yourself more than you listen to those critics, but it can be very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Well, I, again, am so happy to have you on the show again and looking forward to talking with you today about confidence and the role that it plays in divorce. And so, as you know from interviewing me in episode one, my first question for you today is how would you like to share how divorce has profoundly affected your life? And thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. I'm just, I'm excited. I was excited about it whenever I interviewed you at just the thought of us having this next conversation. So I really do appreciate it. As far as how divorce has impacted me, it just, it changed everything. I went from someone who was very financially stable 
to someone that struggled. And I went from someone that had a level of confidence, but not to the level I have it now because I had to basically take care of myself and I had no one else to really rely on. I mean, we, I always have friends and family and all of that, but as far as things like paying, paying my rent or at the time mortgage or whatever it was, or, or even just something simple, like there is a piece of paper on the ground, a wadded up piece of paper. And I know that no one else is going to pick that up. <laughs> it's going to have to be me. So everything, the dishes in the sink, I mean, everything, it had to be me. And so I went from having this pretty stable life to just everything in an uproar. And it really, it changed, it changed so much. And it was the hardest time in my life. I was not completely emotionally stable, let's say. It was, I explained this earlier. I was actually speaking to a group today and I was talking about how even if just a feather hit me, (laughs) the smallest (laughs) thing, it would just cause a great uproar for me. I, it, it took a while to bounce back. It was like I was in a dark hole and I couldn't see clearly. I didn't know how to get myself out of it. I remember at one point my sister-in-law calling me and she just said, how are you doing? And I said, it's like I'm in a dark hole, just surrounded by darkness. And a few minutes later, I get a call from my brother and he said, we're all coming up. And they lived about almost two hours away. And and him and his wife brought the kids up right after school and they took me out to dinner. And I just remember sitting there at that dinner, not really even being able to taste food, not being able to really focus on what they were saying. So it really didn't help me that much at the time because I just was in that state. But afterwards, just thinking about it and the support that I got, it really gave me a lot of confidence. Well, it sounds like what you're describing is just that maybe you had a level of confidence before, but it was maybe the foundation wasn't what it should be. It was built on the wrong things or, you know, a strength that was enough for what you had at that time and what you needed at that time. But then, you know, being out in these unfamiliar waters, it was very disorienting. And maybe that one time of having that support, you know, come to you kind of was a shifting point for you to get reoriented to what your confidence needed to be now. That sound accurate? Well, pretty close. I mean, I, it really didn't shift anything at the time and I got other support too. After I started coming out of it is when I really, really realized how loved I was. And at at the time I was just too in the darkness, I would say, to really recognize what was really happening. I remember a friend of mine took me uh, to Nebraska Furniture Mart and we decided to get a few things for my house and I would just cry every 10 feet and just, just completely break down. And my daughter and a friend of hers were with us and we would send them on ahead. And I, I just, I, I couldn't, I could not function, but I will say that, you know, looking back during those years, I did have a lot of confidence in many situations, but what I didn't realize is that I did not feel like I was good enough. And for me, one of the things you had said is, you know, what is, you had asked me at some point, you know, what's the definition of confidence? And for me, it, you know, it's a lot of things, but it is, it primarily goes down to 
believing you're good enough. And I just didn't know that I didn't really feel that until I had to get more in, in the fire, so to speak. And that's when I really realized, wow, I have been living with this. So, you know, with a marriage, there's, there's good and bad. And I understand that it's not all him. Um, I'm going to say mostly, but (laughs) it's not all him. But I do remember that I never could reach his standards. I never could be good enough for him in my mind. I I never, never could. And maybe he thought I was, but the things that he said and did made me feel like I wasn't. And when I say made me feel like it, you know, that, that is somewhat of a choice, which you get into another time, but Right, but it, but it created an environment where it... In my mind, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so I remember him commenting about the house, and I would work on the house every day and try to, you know, make it look nice, And but it was never quite up to his standard. And I am, I am kind of a messy person anyway, but I really <laughs> would fight against this where it was where he was concerned. And so the house, so I kept my car messy, but that was, that was my space. So, so I remember one day I thought, you know, I, I'm going to be good enough for him in this area. I am going to be good enough. And so I just started top to bottom. I didn't do anything else. My house was already pretty clean, but I just, just scoured everything and did, did the tiniest minute things to make it look perfect. And he came home and he didn't say anything about how the house looked nice, but he did take, I want to say it was a candle. I can't remember, but he took some small object and he just moved it a half an inch. Kind of like saying to me, now it's perfect. At that moment, I realized, and this was obviously in our marriage, I realized, okay, I'm never going to be good enough for him. And I'm just going to have to accept that. And so I never did rise to that standard of the house. I always kept it nice and I kept it like I did before, but I realized since I couldn't be good enough, I was not going to try so hard. And so um, what I didn't realize is that that really was, was spread out to other things, me not feeling good enough. And it happened way before I met him, you know, like so many other things that we struggle with. A lot of it starts in childhood but everything with our confidence, it, it affects our choices. And I know that my lack of confidence and feeling good enough about myself is one of the reasons why I was drawn to him. He was very safe because he was not emotional as far as he did not, you know, say sweet things to me or ask me how I'm feeling, that sort of thing. And so he was very safe because I did not feel good about enough about myself to be in a healthy relationship. So it started way before him. That's probably more than you needed to know. Yeah. You're getting, you're like answering all my questions in one. So like about two minutes ago, I was going to say, Hey, I'm going to stop you there because I do have sorry. No, you're good. Um, so, but that, but that, that is great. I really do appreciate your vulnerability because I think it's very important. And the reason that I, I always ask how divorces profoundly affected your life of each of my guests is because the people that are listening need to know that you've been in their shoes and that you can really relate somehow on a level that they can then really tune into what you're going to say to them. And so 
as I thought about preparing for this topic, I did some research on my own and, and everywhere that I went trying to find information about confidence and divorce, I would end up finding article after article about how to get your confidence back after divorce. It wasn't exactly the direction I was going because what I want to talk about today is the role that confidence plays during the divorce. But I, like you said, and, and that's one of the questions I was going to ask you, of course, is the definition of confidence. Because one thing that I noticed was that there was a lot of interchangeable use of the words confidence and self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I guess, you know, if I really thought long and hard about it, I could come up with similarities and differences. Mm-hmm. I've always thought of them differently. But I do want to kind of start with your definition of confidence because you coach, uh, speak, and teach confidence to thousands of people every year. So how do you define confidence? And you said that feeling of you're being good enough. So maybe elaborate on that just a little bit. Well, and I will tell you that I do tie these in together, uh, self-esteem and confidence. I do feel like self-esteem is way overused. And I think that it's often misinterpreted. People think that self-confidence and self-esteem are more arrogance. And I think that that's why I kind of stay away from the self-esteem and more towards confidence. And I correct myself what I just said, but it's self-esteem seems to be where people look more about better than others kind of thing. But it really is, you know, it's about what you believe about yourself to be true. Mm-hmm. your self-esteem. And so for me, self-esteem is where confidence is rooted in. You you mm-hmm. need to have the belief that you're good enough and then you need to be able to act upon that. So when you have that belief that you're good enough, then you can start doing things. You can start getting out of your comfort zone. You can start mm-hmm. stretching yourself. And when you have confidence, that's the belief that you can do more you can do that next thing. And so I tell people, and and I'll cut myself off for a second because I've had experts, other experts disagree with me on this, but I really think that you can fake it to make it in confidence. I only think that because I have done it myself. And I have read articles where people say, no, you can't do that. That's not the way to have confidence. But I completely disagree. Mm -hmm. If you put yourself out there and you say, I can do this, even though you really don't think that you can do this, (laughs) I equate that to the same thing as when somebody is brave. It doesn't mean that they're not scared. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It just means they're going to do it anyway. So the same thing right. with confidence. So you're, you're going to do it anyway, even though you don't feel like you can or you should. That's and great. I will have moments where I think, oh my gosh, I don't know about doing this. And it mm-hmm. happened just the other day to me. I was going in to meet a client. And right before I went in, I just, I had a moment, uh, just a second of where, where my confidence kind of failed. And I'm like, oh my goodness, can I do this? And it just lasted for a second. And then I thought really quick, I thought, yes, I can do it. And part of being confident is being scared and doing it anyway. So bravery is mixed in there too. So it's, even though I am a confidence expert and a confidence coach, and I am a very confident person, 
it's always going to be a process and I'm going to continue to work on it. And that self-talk is a big part of it. Yeah, I agree. And in fact, if it makes you feel any better, Brene Brown agrees. And she talks to audiences of, you know, tens of thousands of people. And she was asked recently if she still gets nervous. And she said, absolutely. Every single time. <laughs> and I think that's just, it yes. keeps us on our toes. You know, if we ever got so used to speaking to a crowd of people that it didn't make us pause and consider the effect that we can have with our words, you know, that probably is entering into dangerous territory because we should always remain humble and make sure that we are bringing our best selves and the best information that we can to people. So I totally agree with that. One thing I was thinking of when you're talking about differentiating between confidence and self-esteem. Actually, I see the similarities. And I think what I'm thinking of with regard to kind of differentiating is that, like you said, self-esteem is so overused. And I think the reason that I kind of tend to dislike the term self-esteem is because of the fact that it's totally overused. And again, I did a little bit of research just because I'm one thing, I'm an English major, so words just fascinate me. And there's so much to them when you go and just, you know, go into the dictionary or the thesaurus and you really dig into what does this word actually mean? And the reason I think that I struggle with self-esteem is because of exactly what the research showed me. Self-esteem is external focused. It's other focused. And in comparison, self-worth is internal it's intrinsic, it's innate, it's knowing inside that you are okay and you are good enough, no matter what anyone else says. So really a lot of times when the experts are saying self-esteem, what they're actually talking about is self-worth. We want people to know that no matter what anyone else thinks, they are okay, they're good enough, they're fine, they know how to make decisions for themselves. They're the ones in their own skin. They're the ones that know what is best for them and that they sometimes need help and have to reach out and don't have all the answers and that's okay. I think what self-esteem or the lack, I guess, thereof is just what it tells us is that we aren't enough. We don't know enough. You know, we can't figure out things for ourselves, you know, and so it's interesting. I, I guess I'll leave it at that. When you really dig into different words and, and their meanings and and uh, it's, I think it's an important topic because I'm going to get into that now a little bit is just when we think about any of these things, self-confidence, self-esteem, self-worth, we're, we're talking about the same kind of thing. And, and like you said, you know, people will tell you that fake it till you make it doesn't work. And I've, I've read about that as well. And, and you know what I've seen that I like, and whenever anybody brings that up, I always tell them, one, I agree with you. It does work because I've done it. And the other thing is that you can actually turn that whole little saying around and change it to face it till you feel it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And that really has made a difference for me. And I, I will tell you, you know, as I went through my own divorce and started a career in the middle of my 40s, did not know what I was doing, just trying to follow my passions and find my purpose and help people. I had so much struggle with confidence. And yet I would constantly get this feedback from people without even trying to prompt it from them that they just love how confident I am. <laughs> and I would literally laugh out loud sometimes and just say, oh, if you only knew, I mean, I'm glad that it looks like that on the outside. 
<laughs> because th there is so much going on inside that you don't know about. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, uh, I don't have you ever heard the term imposter syndrome? Oh, yes, I teach about that. Yeah, so that's kind of what you were describing before when you, when you were going into your appointment recently and you had that little moment of, you know, who am I to think that I can go in and teach anybody anything, you know? That's, that's what that imposter syndrome is, just that feeling like we don't deserve to do what it is that we're doing to help people or, you know, whatever it is that we're facing at that moment. So is that how you would describe book? it? Have you heard of the book Confidence Code, The Confidence Code? I have. Yeah, actually, I do. I, I read that probably about a year and a half or so ago. Okay. So in that book, then you probably remember that they talked to female basketball players. I mean, some of mm -hmm. the most powerful women around and yeah. they still felt like they weren't quite good enough. And it's very interesting to me, but when I went into that business the other day, I should, I should explain a little bit. I wasn't going in to teach or train on anything. It had been a couple of years since these, since this company had hired me and they just asked me to come over for lunch. And oh, wow. I went in uncertain, not yeah. knowing what is this going to be about? Is this going to be about future business? What kind of things are we going to talk about? And so just that moment, I got a little nervous for the unknown. But when I went in, right before I went in and I, I did that self-talk, I'm like, oh, shoot, no, I don't know what's going to happen. And that's just fine. And that's the fun of it. And yeah. so one of the things I think you know that I teach on is getting out of your comfort zone. And yes. for me, that is yeah. huge in so yeah. many different aspects of life. And one of them is huge in confidence. And mm -hmm. the more that you do something, the more confident that you are. And you and I both know, I mean, whether you're speaking or whether you're telling jokes or whether <laughs> you're knitting, I don't knit, I hardly tell jokes, but whatever you're doing, the more that you do it, the better you get at it, playing the violin, whatever. So confidence yeah. is the same kind of thing. And I, and I apologize because I started going down this path and I know you asked me a question. I don't even know what you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know either, but you know what? We're ready for the next question. So that's okay. okay. <laughs> and I, I love this conversation because I think all of this is important to the subject, but what I really want to get into is the importance of confidence as we think about going through divorce during the actual process. Yes. So now we've fully explored confidence, and I think you probably have listeners that are probably thinking, that's exactly what I need and don't have. How am I going to survive this divorce or maybe even their life to come without that? So what would you say to a person feeling that way right now? Well, the first thing I would say is that you are okay and you're going to be okay. And it doesn't feel like that but you are going to be okay. And people told me this and I didn't feel like they were right. <laughs> but you have to just remember, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And use those affirmations. And then you know how people say one day at a time. In, yeah, sure. in this type of situation, it's not one day at a time. It is one moment at a time. So what you do right now, right this second, is you and you might need to stop this after we do this and then come back and listen. But what you need to do right now, and I'm talking to you, that person out there who is listening and is going through this painful thing, what I want you to do right now is I want you to stop for just a moment and just think right now, it's okay. Look around you. 
what do you see? What do you smell? What do you hear? What are the things that tell you it is okay? Uh, do you see any animals nearby? Are you inside of a car or are you inside of a house? Are you inside of something? Maybe next week will look different. Right now, you've got to focus on this moment. Yes, I'm okay. Because what we do in these type of situations is we borrow trouble. We start thinking too much. We think, what am I going to do about this in a week? What am I going to do about that in a month? Okay, that stuff is important. We need to do that. But when you're in this crisis mode or just the darkness, like I would call it, you have to just take those moments and realize, okay, right now I'm okay. And don't worry about what he's doing. Think about what am I doing? How am I okay right this second? Not what am I going to do in 15 minutes? Am I okay right now? It can be so powerful to just change our perspective. It's just like whenever somebody has a panic attack, what we say is we say, start paying attention to what's around you. What's tangible? What things can you use your senses on? It's, you may not be in a panic attack, but it's the same kind of thought process. What can I focus on right now to know that I'm just okay right now. Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you begin to do that and you begin to get a grasp on that, it will build your confidence because you think, okay, okay, I am okay right now. I'm not hungry. I can breathe. Okay. I'm not sick. I have friends, I have family. Oh, I have a great dog right there. Her name's Bella or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and like you said, you don't have to be in the middle of a full-blown panic attack to have panic thinking or that catastrophic thinking. And those kinds of techniques just ground you during, you know, that anxious moment when it feels like things are caving in and everything is wrong. You have to be able to know these little tips and tricks to ground yourself and to bring yourself back to a more logical state of mind. And so, yes, absolutely. It's very important to focus on what is actually happening right now and more or less put the other stuff aside because we don't need to deal with that yet. And that alone will help us to feel like confidence is a little bit more within our reach than we would feel if we were trying to think that we had to resolve everything. One analogy that I think of often is that I don't need to see the whole staircase. I only need to know what is the next best step for me. And if I give that my full attention and my full 100% focus, I will achieve that in a better way than I will if I'm trying to look at the whole staircase. I think that's where we trip fall on our face on the stairs <laughs> when we're that trying to see the whole thing. <laughs> I like the staircase yeah. analogy. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to mention another thing that was very powerful for me and did help me with my confidence. When you're in this situation, you do spend a lot of time thinking about him and mm -hmm. what he's doing, who's he with, how's he spending his time, what does he think of you? And no matter what your feelings are about him, these kind of um, thoughts come in a lot. And I will tell you, first of all, 
for anyone listening, it, those will slow down. They're not going to be there forever. You'll end up going days, weeks, not even thinking about him. Unless you have children together, then you're going to probably think about it a little bit more because you have to. But here's the message to you listening. He has lost the right to be in your head. He's lost the right to take up space there. He no longer deserves that. So when you start thinking about what he's done, who he's with, just think about, you know what? You're out of here. Kick him out. I, I, don't, I don't need to spend my time on him anymore. Stop spending your time on him. He doesn't deserve it. And whenever I got my head around that, oh my gosh, it changed me so much. So what I had to do was the stop it technique that I've used for years now that I came up with. It's very simple technique, but basically a negative thought comes into your head. So in, in the case of divorce, you come up with a thought about him. It can be anything. Okay. You come up with a thought about him and you automatically say, stop it. And you put your hand out and you say, stop it verbally. So something about the verbal and the physical together, really good for your brain to get the message. And so you're like, stop it, get out. And then right away, that thought's going to come back. And so you're going to have to do the stop it method a few times. And then you're going to have to keep doing it every day until you get stronger. But he does not deserve the right to be in your head anymore. He's taking up too much space. Kick him out. And when you do, and the more that you do, when you're able to do that, you're going to have more confidence. You're going to be surprised and amazed at how much better you feel when you can do that. Absolutely. What you're describing is emotional detachment. You, you know, divorce is the actual physical detachment from one person and another. And what you're describing is the process of emotionally detaching from them. And it is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, these are people who, you know, we vowed to spend the rest of our lives with and to honor and to trust and to care about what they think and feel about us. And now, because of the change in our relationship status, we have to undo that. We, mm-hmm. we need to find new people with whom we can trust and, you know, seek our confidence from or, you know, just to tap into when we need advice or want to know, you know, how to do this or that. And so just realizing that it's not even so much, although in certain situations, especially in toxic relationships, it definitely is that we need to think less uh, emotionally about them and we need to stop caring what they think and what they're doing. And that is a process. But it really just comes down to, you know, we only have so much energy every day and we've got to focus that on ourselves if we're going to heal and gain our full confidence and do what is best for us going forward. And we can't divide our attention the way that we have in the past when we were trying to save the marriage or when Mm -hmm. things were bad and we were spending all of that energy. Now it's time to pull back and detach from all of that. Well, and it's so hard to do. And I, and I know that you know this, but I just want to say for those listeners out there that some of the things that, that you hear us say, it sounds like it's just so easy. We say yeah. it it's like, yeah, just do this. And it's not. We recognize it because we've been there. It's so mm-hmm. difficult. And, you know, when you talk about emotional, you know, I kind of separate a little bit just because for the longest time I realized, you know, that I still loved him. 
and he left me for someone else. And even though we didn't have this great marriage, I still loved him. There was a part of me because he was my family for 17 years and he left me with a text message. And so it was very tough yet at the same time, he was my family and you, you can't just in my mind at the time, you can't divorce family. I mean, you can't just get rid of family. They're just always your family. So this is how I was thinking at the time. And so I realized that it was okay to still love him, to have that emotional feeling, those, that maybe not connection, but that those emotional feelings towards him, it was okay. And, and I was all right with that because I knew that eventually I would get over him and I did, but I gave myself permission to still love him and not to feel guilty about it. But instead what I wanted to do was I wanted to just take back my life from this all consuming thing. And, you know, I would just think about her even, and like, she would, she emailed me a picture of them. She emailed me, she emailed my friend. I mean, you know, she, she would, you know, become a part of my life that I ended up giving, I didn't reply to her, but I ended up giving more of my time, like you said, to her as well. And I just, just made a conscious decision. I'm not going to do that. And so it was, for me, it was all about that time, even though I knew that emotionally I couldn't quite disconnect yet. So I would say to anyone listening, you know, that emotional disconnect is what's going to happen. It's going to happen naturally for you. And, and you may already have it. I didn't. So just give yourself some grace Take it slow, take it moment by moment, and just continue working on yourself because it's, it's not easy. Yeah. Well, and thank you for pointing that out because really it is true that we are not all in the same shoes. We're not all in the same boat. And no one, I don't think, would say, and I'm certainly not saying, that you should have no feelings whatsoever for this person that you once you know, shared a life with. It yeah, is really yeah. just about a healthy disconnect, a healthy boundary. And that's not to say you don't love that person, have good memories with them, and maybe even, and maybe not right away, but maybe later, uh, be able to have a, a good relationship with them after the divorce is final and everything is settled. But it's just that, you know, it's going to be different then than it is now. You can You can love someone and they not have that that intimate place in your heart and your mind that only a romantic partner should have. So right. that's really what we're differentiating. And, and it's so, so funny because it's like, every time I'm about to ask you a question, you answer it. So our brains are going in the <laughs> same direction. And that is actually the very next thing I was going to say is that knowing in our heads what confidence is and how to get it doesn't make it automatically happen for us. And I don't want people to think as we sit here and talk about it, like, you know, oh, you just do this and this and this, and then you're fine. You know, we know that it's a struggle. And so, you know, what I want to do is just kind of try to think about it on a little bit closer uh, with, a, with a magnifying glass. Just let's dive in and, and how important is confidence during divorce. Um, when we think about, for example, let's just do a comparison to two women 
entering into divorce, very similar circumstances, one struggling with self-defeat, fear, and the other with maybe still some self-defeat and fear, but with also a higher level of confidence, even if she's had to do that face it till you feel it, uh, fake it till you make it thing, to intentionally work to build that up. What ways could you see their divorce cases differing as a result? What do you mean their divorce cases? Well, so if I'm trying to just narrow down what comp, the, the difference that confidence can make in the oh, outcome okay. of the divorce. And okay. it, how, I guess really what we're talking about is self-sabotage or, you know, negative thinking or anger or the things that are going to come out of a lack of confident behavior or confident, I don't know, just a confident demeanor as they come into the divorce, even if, you know, their circumstances are exactly the same, what could, what are some ways that you could see confidence affecting the outcomes? That's, it's such a good question. I'm sorry that I didn't quite get it, but you, very good. I wish, seriously, and I've told you this before, and I know a lot of people have told you this before, but I wish you and I had met before I got divorced so I could <laughs> rely on this wisdom during my divorce. And I just so appreciate you very much for even just asking this question because it's something that I had not asked myself. And I just love just even just thinking about this. And so the first thing that I would say is I would say to that woman in front of me, one of those women is I would say, you know, what do you want? What do you want your life to look like after this is over? And if you have an idea of that, you are more likely and more, you'll be more confident to make that happen. For me, whenever I was used to having money. And so whenever the divorce happened. Okay. I should, I, I need to say the caveat. So I was used to having money, but it was very controlled. So I couldn't just do what I wanted with it. So whenever I got out of the divorce, I spent more money than I would ever normally. And that's because it just felt like such freedom. And so um, I went, basically did sabotage my, my future. Uh, not totally, but I made it much more difficult for me. And so one of the things that, that I wish that I had been taught is that I need to look out for my future self. It's not all about right now and feeling good because also Ben and Jerry became my best friend. <laughs> so like 40 They're guys. <laughs> They're great friends. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I gained about 40 pounds and I honestly, at the time, I, I even remember thinking, I don't care if I gain weight, I have to feel okay right this second. Mm -hmm. And so I wish that I had used other things to feel okay. I wish I had started counseling sooner, that sort of thing, taking more walks, uh, journaling, you know, we can go on and on about that sort of thing, but what do you want your life to look like? And then get an accountability partner, get someone that you really care about, really cares about you. Someone that is not too bossy. Because if you get the wrong person, then you're going to feel trapped again. You're going to feel controlled. So you just need someone that you can bounce ideas off of, somebody that's not going to always have the answers. And maybe you kind of set some ground rules ahead of time. You know, it could be somebody that helps you with a budget. You know, and many women now, they understand their finances at home. And I hate to sound like a 50s wife, but I just really wasn't privy to that information. And I didn't. <laughs> force the issue. 
And so yeah. it's, you know, I have to put the blame on myself for that, but maybe it's budgeting. Maybe it's a good relationship with your kids. If you have children, I think that I know that I hurt my relationship with my daughter in some ways by my self-sabotaging and by not being able to um, get the help that I needed when I needed it. And so I think that for these women, the biggest thing that's going to help in your confidence is to ask yourself, what do you want? And really think about it in a well-rounded way in your life and then start setting goals to get to where you want. Because as you start achieving these little things, these little steps to these bigger goals, you are going to gain more confidence. The more that you realize that you are capable and you are able to take care of yourself, and whether that's emotionally or fiscally or whatever, when you realize this and you start making those steps towards it, your confidence is going to grow. And I just wish I would have learned this lesson before I got the divorce. Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, unfortunately, that's probably a lot of people's stories, whether it's divorce or some other trauma or struggling season that they went through, that that oftentimes is what leads us to the realizations that that we aren't living life on our own terms or that we're getting in our own way, I guess, is maybe a better way of putting it. Well, that's one of the reasons why it's so great you're doing what you're doing, because you, you know, you recognize because you've been through it. And you recognize that not just in divorce, but in everything, you know, whenever we go through anything that's traumatic, but your focus on divorce is fantastic because women need to hear your message and they need to hear the things that, that you say and how you're going to help them to reframe and how you're going to give them hope. And the fact that you've been through it and you're talking to other women that have been through it. It's just very powerful. And I just, I just want you to know that I appreciate what you're doing and it's going to, it's going to make a serious difference. In, in Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I just, I know there's such a need and, and I know that, you know, on, on the topic we talked about earlier, imposter syndrome, you know, if I, if I spend a lot of time thinking about it, I can tell you a whole bunch of reasons why I'm not the person for the job, but here I am anyway. And I, what I do know is that whatever I do need always shows up when I need it. Mm. And I have continually throughout this journey met person after person after person that I just look back and realize that they came into my life at the exact moment that I needed the wisdom that they had. And mm. I didn't even know I needed it, you know? Mm. And so getting into coaching, you know, life coaching as it's, standardly called. I call it divorce coaching because that is my focus. And so as a divorce coach, a little bit of shameless self-promotion, I, <laughs> I do exactly what you just described when you said, you know, get an accountability partner, find somebody who doesn't tell you what to do, but helps you find the answers that are already inside of you. Mm -hmm. Because you do have big goals for your life. Even if you don't realize it, you haven't let yourself reflect on that. You do. You have big goals for your life. And if you and look at hard, them. It's hard at the time to even focus on them, isn't it? To really even. Well, it's crippling because if you look at the big goal, you feel inadequate and you know you can't do it right now, but you're not supposed to do it right now. You're supposed to take baby steps. It's that whole, <laughs> yeah. that whole staircase again, right? So. Yeah. 
you've got to find somebody that's going to basically be that person. I, when I compare life coaching with, uh, for example, therapy, and I've had both in my life, and I think both have an absolute value and a place in our lives when we are recovering from something difficult. But a lot of times, basically, therapy has a focus on let's dive into your past. Let's go through these problems that you had either in your childhood or in your current situation. And let's dissect them and figure out what the problem is. They may even diagnose significant issues and then, you know, work on a treatment. That's a very medical process. But a, a life coach, or in my case, a divorce coach, does that's quite different than that is that I'm not trying to fix anybody. I'm trying to help them realize that they weren't broken to begin with. All of the answers that they need are inside of them. They've just got to tap into it. And I really think most of us are told two lies our whole life. One is that we're not good enough. And the other is that we can do anything we want. And it's like they're exact opposites and they both couldn't be farther from the truth. Mm-hmm. We are good enough to do what it is that we're here on this earth to do. And we can't do everything. We can only do that which is for us to do and that we're willing to work for. And so when we set those goals and we learn what the baby steps are and we've got somebody coming alongside us and helping us to think through how to get from point A to point B, it's back to what we were talking about before. It, it isn't easy. It isn't, oh, do these three things and you'll feel all better. You'll be the most confident person in America. <laughs> it's not that way. It that. is trial oh. by fire and it's, it's not going to be pretty. And you've got to just face it because confidence comes through facing it over and over again. And right. I, I'm certain that one thing we can agree on is that if, if confidence is this important, that it can affect the outcome of the divorce, then certainly we know that it can affect the outcome of any struggle that we face. And I'm just curious, I mean, you, you would agree, I guess, that confidence alone can make the difference between success and failure in many circumstances. Oh, yes, yes. What, do you have any, can you think of any specific examples with, you know, clients that you've had where they've literally seen that, they've seen confidence make the difference between success and failure in a given situation? Oh, yes, you know, um, Gosh, there's there's several examples that just are popping in my head. My head's kind of exploding with bam, bam, bam. bam. <laughs> but, uh, but I know there's tons. But you know, I, I think about this one woman who, when when we first started working together, she described herself as shy, but she didn't want to be shy, and she she did not have the confidence to walk into a restaurant and place an order and eat it there. She did not have the confidence to talk to someone in a grocery store line. So there's just a few examples. She didn't think that she was good enough and I could go on and on. And so working with her, she, I I remember the first time whenever she texted me and said, okay, I didn't sit down in the restaurant, but I did go in to a fast food place and order food at the counter. That was a really big step. And so all along her journey, she shared with me these more, these other steps and She actually, I'm really proud of her. She actually started her own business and became certified in her field just recently. And, and it's just, it's amazing to see where she came from. 
mm-hmm. and where she is now. I mean, I have, I have other women, you know, this other one I'm thinking about, you know, ran a marathon. I just, it, it, businesses have improved. Yeah. It, this one woman who really didn't have the confidence in her business and doing what it, what it took it started um, after we worked together for a little bit, she started putting videos out there and really increased her business. Um, and it just, I just keep thinking about different women. Uh, I've had women who couldn't go outside. They weren't quite to the point where it was serious, but they just did not want to go outside. It was very difficult for them to get out of the house. And so I have even just those women that began to get outside of the house because of their confidence. Um, I just, I see so many, so many differences and in these women. And one of the things you had mentioned earlier is, is about how, about how, (laughs) oh, I know about how people are individual and people are going to go through this in different ways. But because a lot of my clients have been divorced and, you know, that's one of the reasons why with my coaching, it's, it's very individualized because as you and I both know, we might have some similarities, but there's going to be differences too. Yeah, for sure. Well, I love all the examples you gave first of all, because I love stories of overcoming. That's why I started starting over stronger, but also because I think of everything that you just mentioned falls in line with this quote that I keep of. It probably came from a book and I wish that I could remember exactly what it was, but it was, I do remember that it was a prominent thought leader and they were talking about it in in terms of, of business and in building a career and weighing out the difference between skill and confidence. And so I'm just applying this across the board because I think it really does apply. Confidence weighs much more heavily than skill when it comes to winning over clients. And what they were teaching is basically that the ability for someone that you're trying to market to as a business person, viewing you as a successful business person is in your confidence way more than it is in your actual ability. And so, you know, when I think about it, I know we have probably all heard the saying that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. But what I'm thinking about is that when I heard this, it kind of, it was kind of a paradigm shift for me because it's sort of true in business and in life. And I think extends even to the business of divorce. It isn't so much about knowing everything or, you know, just being able to predict exactly what's going to happen and knowing all the answers because nobody does. But that fear that we have, that we don't know everything there is to know, is so much less visible to the people that it matters to, that we're trying to put ourselves out there in front of, than being firm in what we believe and having a confidence about who we are and what we do know. And then of course, obviously being open to learning and doing better as you go. It, uh, I think that to me, sums up a lot of what confidence is just being okay with the fact that you don't have all the answers and nobody ever expected you to by the way and so does that make sense am i i don't know if i'm getting through (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and i think that you know we face this in different areas of our lives and i think every woman in here if they think about it can this will resonate with them i mean even think about this 
think about how you are going to make food. You're going to make a meal. And I'm on food right now because I've been watching cooking shows. (laughs) I have not stopped watching these cooking shows. And so I think a lot about food right now. So um, (laughs) thankfully, I'm not eating as much as I'm thinking about. But so think about when you go to try a new recipe you you might be nervous that it won't turn out but you're still going to try it you still have enough confidence to get out there and try it and i think that that's the same for a lot of this it's yeah sure maybe you don't know everything maybe you don't know all the latest cooking techniques maybe whatever it is that you're out there you you don't know everything it's like whenever i started a new job the high beat job that i mentioned when you start this now i'm not sure if i mentioned it here i might have been when i spoke earlier but when i started this part-time job for because of the COVID-19 I didn't know everything about customer service but I knew how to deal with customers so there's a little bit of that fear there oh I don't know what I'm doing but you know what I I do know part of it so it's okay not to know everything and nobody expected me to just like what you said right exactly we put so much uh, pressure on ourselves that we shouldn't yeah and uh, so you know while we're on the subject of confidence and uh, success stories people that you've worked with that have seen the, co- the difference confidence can make in their lives i want to explore some of the different ways that you coach people uh in building confidence i know you you probably do one-on-one coaching and and then what types of group settings and events do you do um, that people could get involved with you if they are sensing that maybe that might be a good direction for them Well, first, that's really nice of you to even ask. So thank you for that. (laughs) Um, All right. So what I have is this this group called In Confidence. Mm -hmm. And it's a Facebook group where every day there are videos from me. And then you also get a guide. And so whatever we're on, I will also post a video about it. So I mentioned earlier about future self, your future self. There is you will go and be able to watch a video about me talking about your future self. And then you will actually fill out some information and I will actually give you challenges. And so, so you'll see those videos and then also you get daily videos. So five days a week and it is coaching by me or by one of my mentors that I have that is a certified life coach and does it like I would do because I cannot, you know, do it for everyone, but do as much as I can. So what you get on those is it's very personalized. So for instance, the person who was very shy, one of the things that I said, okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to start speaking to someone in the grocery store line. It can even just be a hello. Because that's the level that she was on. But then I take another woman who is on a different level and I will assign something different for her. So it's very personalized. And so you get these challenges and then you also get daily encouragement and they're always by video um, and then can text us a little bit. And of course, always, if you have further questions, we can do that. But I, I've offered this because For me, I've done life coaching and I love it. I love having a life coach. And at the same time, all my life coaches have always been uh, weekly life coaches. But Mm -hmm. I have found that for me personally, I like daily coaching. And so that's what I offer because I want somebody to challenge me every single day and to talk to me and encourage me every single day. That's what I need Mm -hmm. to keep building Um, what I've started. And so I know that in the area of confidence, that has really helped make a huge difference. So that's what I offer. 
Um, I also do individual one-on-one -on -one confidence coaching. Mm -hmm. And, but as far as groups, it's just on, on the Facebook. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And again, thank you for being here on the show, exploring this topic with me. I think we have offered some vital information that anyone in the divorce arena will benefit from and uh, definitely can tap into more as I will share in the episode description online where they can connect with you, where they can connect with me and get these resources if they need to explore this more. Um, so as we close, I would like if you could just leave us with a final thought on confidence in life after divorce. Uh, of course, divorce is almost always traumatic and can seriously alter our feelings, our perceptions, our expectations about ourselves, our relationships, and really everything in our future. And it's super easy to kind of feel lost and to lose ourselves in the process. And if we didn't already before the divorce, um, so when it's all said and done, what would you say maybe are your top three or two or whatever number you want tips for building confidence for yourself for life after divorce? Okay, I would say number one, be very aware of your self-talk. Very familiar with how you talk to yourself and always ask yourself, would I say this to a child? Turn to a child and say, you're stupid. No, you wouldn't. So don't say it to yourself. Yeah. Uh, so, so that would be number one, become very aware of that and what your whole thought process is like. So mm -hmm. number one. Number two, have great patience with yourself and grace because this is a process, but you are going to get through it. And number three, probably the most important, just remember that you are worth it. You don't have to feel like you're worth it to be worth it. Do you think a newborn baby feels like he's good enough? No, he doesn't even think about it, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> he's good enough. And you know what? That newborn baby, he didn't do a darn thing. Yeah. All he is is a burden to his mother and father. Mm -hmm. He does not work. He does not supply any income. All mm -hmm. he does is get weighted on hand and foot. And guess mm -hmm. what? He is very worthy and Absolutely. you are no matter what you have ever said, no matter you, no matter what you have ever done, it does not change your worth because your worth is inherent. It's just built in. So you don't have to worry about doing anything to become worthy because you already yeah. are. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. That's awesome. Those are three very important tips. And I hope that, this time exploring this topic has been helpful to you today. And if you would like to find out more about how Susan can help you in your confidence, you can connect with her at, I believe it's drsusanharrison.com. Is that right? That is. Awesome. And then also you can find that link in the episode description and you can find more about Starting Over Stronger Divorce Coaching uh, at startingoverstronger.com. And we'll look forward to meeting you back here again soon to explore more topics that will help you as you go through your divorce and offer you hope as you create a life you love. 